Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Father Bouquet, our president. Welcome, Father. As always, Colleen, great to be with you again. It's good to be with you too, Father. And we're going to be talking about one of your recent Spirit and Life articles, which was on sex education. And I'd like to focus just on the sex education part of it, of basically what's the role of the schools, what's going on with the schools with that, and then what's the role of the parents and why is like sex education in the schools basically usurping the duties of parents. So, right, a lot to talk about. Exactly. But like focusing in on that specific part of the article. So, yeah, what's the problem with sex ed in schools? Okay. Well, I think for all of us who have been involved and are involved in the, in the pro life, pro family movement, mm-hmm. we all know that the quote unquote sex education is the foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what makes it an issue of concern. Because, you know, when we are using uh, sex education, i.e. to promote uh, uh, promiscuity, promote sexual activity, to really kind of rupture an understanding of human sexuality from the human person, kind of make it a biological act, an emotional act, uh, it changes the way people approach. And so in those who are advocating for uh, uh, what John Paul would coin as the culture of death, in other words, those really advocating for that which is not respectful of the human person, not respectful of human dignity, Mm -hmm. not respectful of the God-given gift of human sexuality and where its place is to be within conjugal love, within marriage. When you start rupturing all those understandings, it then opens up the door to so many other things. And of course, that's what those who are advocating, those great advocates of the sexual revolution are trying to do. So by promoting sex education in the school, and as the article makes note, Colleen, uh, we see as young as four, even sometimes people advocating the WHO, the World Health Organization, and others advocating getting right at birth. I mean, I don't know how you're going to teach a, a little baby just born, but this is what they're saying. And because mm-hmm. and, they understand the sooner that you can influence a person's framework, the way they approach a subject, the long, longer impact that will be. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why it's such an important subject for us to talk about, uh, and especially when we're dealing with what we call perverse sex education programs. Which and, is what is kind of becoming increasingly more exactly, common. Exactly. And what we see, I mean, I can tell you stories, which I'm not going to do here in graphic nature, that I've seen around the world. So this is not just a U.S. Uh, issue. This is, mm-hmm. you know, not even just first world developed nation issues. This is, I've seen this in, even in, in other developed parts of the world where uh, the, uh, through the United Nations programs and mm-hmm. other uh, non-governmental agencies working in different countries are advocating, you know, for this libertine approach to human sexuality. Is it generally Planned Parenthood who's putting together these programs? I know that that's something that they do a lot of, but what other organizations are involved, you know? So in the article, I make note of the Melinda and Gates Foundation, which okay. is having supporting throw, and they're not the only foundation I put, yeah. I could have put, a matter of fact, the whole paper could have been <laughs> on foundations, but they're one of the big ones that just recently, you know, offered tens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. to the International Planned Parenthood Federation to advocate for sex education. Uh, so obviously, I just mentioned, you know, International Planned Parenthood Federation, uh, which is a global federation of Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see the World Health Organization, I make note of. Uh, and there are, again, a litany of other major players. So that's for the international ones. Do you know who's, what's generally the situation with it in the U.S.? Do you know, is there like a set, like, curriculum that people are using? Is mm-hmm. it more localized? It all, de- you know? it all depends on school districts. For example, okay. Planned Parenthood here in the U.S., would be a very active player. Matter of fact, they're sometimes the ones developing some of the curricula. Okay. Um, so, but they're not the only one. Again, mm-hmm. there are many people in this. But I think you know what's interesting is it's kind of like the, uh, the the fox in the hen house here. Uh, and I do make note of that in my article is that when you look at Planned Parenthood, 
that advocates for you know a, a free access to abortion from the uh, the moment of conception till the day of birth, you know the moment of birth, uh, and so they also know that as I do go into the article, which we'll talk a little bit about, is you know that this does not bring lower you know uh, pregnancy rates. Yeah. Of fact, Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Actually, I mean, I think what's what's important is to realize that when once you start opening the door that uh, and have this very uh, I say false understanding of human sexuality, but mm-hmm. from their point of view, those advocating for a libertine approach to this is the idea that you know a person should be able to express themselves sexually in any way they wish at any time they wish with ever, with whomever they would wish. And obviously, mm-hmm. they're mostly speaking here of people who are free to also uh, reciprocate that. We're not yeah. talking about forcing, you know, oneself. However, what we do see here is even discussions about prostitution. We see issues. Really? Yeah, well, actually, some of the uh, article I make note of where they're actually, you know, it's advocating, you know, that we should have access to be able to just, you know, just like use my body the work. way that I wish, you know, mm-hmm. even if it means, you know, using my body to, as a means of income. Uh, so, uh, so what we have here is the... The more that people see that expression of sexual themselves sexually, mm-hmm. uh, and of course what Planned Parenthood and others advocate for contraception and you know quote unquote safe sex relationships, mm-hmm. the reality is is that the numbers of, of, of conceptions are occurring, even yeah. as people are using contraception. It seems like it's kind of like a funnel. You're getting people like used to the idea of sex as something that should be recreational, used to this idea of like, oh, but if you use contraception, then it'll be protected. And then you kind of get people on contraception, which kind of closes it in and they get sexually active and then they get pregnant because contraception is going to fail and and then they have an abortion. And who's going to be there to help you, but quote unquote, help Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. So, so this is where you. So, it's a, it's a great image, Colleen. I think it's a great way to approach it. Is to look at the wider mouth. Mm-hmm. So, the sex education is the wide mouth. Every of the single funnel. school kid. <laughs> everything in it. Throw everything in the pot. Anything goes. So, this is where we see the whole issues of pushing and uh, and advocating for you know transgender. You know, uh, and this is so young people struggling with gender dysphoria are just kind of funneled into this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if parents are going against their their children's wishes, you know we. You know, take away their parental rights. You know, see this happening now in the states. So everything goes in this pot, mm-hmm. and then, and like you said, that's a great image. And then funnel it down. So the way to prevent pregnancy, you know, especially once you reach pa- uh, after you're at past puberty and obviously are able to conceive and actually being able to help in that conception, then we have to have contraception. You know, when that's contra- what they're saying. Right, and right, yeah, right. Obviously. And when contraception fails, well, we have another means of resolving your. Uh, failed, uh, you know, when contraception mm-hmm. fails. So this is what there's all being said. But well, sex- and that's like even ignoring the fact that a lot of contraceptives are also abort efficient. So it's like Correct. there's also a lot of like silent abortions happening right in that oh, middle absolutely. section. Absolutely. But, but yeah. I mean, but that's the rupture. So, mm-hmm. but, but the whole sex education really is just to, as early as possible. We've talked about this in the podcast, you know, is the way a person thinks is going to be the way the person will act. So if I can change the way a person thinks about a certain subject, i.e. here, we're talking about sex education. So sex, what is sex? And then if we take away all the moorings of what we understand as a, as a Christian, as Catholics, mm-hmm. about human sexuality, we got to strip all that away. And that is why you see those advocating for sex education and all these other uh, 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 isms, uh, really, is that they want to remove the child from the parent, which mm-hmm. I get into. I know we'll talk a little bit more about. But, but the moment you take away the moorings, you take away, quote-unquote, the taboos, Mm-hmm. You know, that, and that all of a sudden, then anything's game. And so, and as anything becomes game, so if I start that early enough 
and I break down all those moorings, mm -hmm. then it just opens up this Pandora of opportunity. Now, this is really, I'm speaking here now from the advocates of the sexual revolution and, yeah. and those advocating for this kind of libertine approach. And so uh, that's not obviously how our Catholic uh, principles approach the subject here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes this such an important subject for, for parents and why I address the subject. And I do this often. And just as a side note, in all of our, Colleen, all of our training modules mm -hmm. and our training modules for our audience are the main programs that we use around the world and one of the first modules deals with sex education mm -hmm. because it really is, it's the foot in the door. And many times our lay faithful, single, married uh, people, religious, priest, uh, don't always understand the dy dynamics. Mm -hmm. And because we're dealing with a, a universal uh, church, what happens in the States, you know, you and I, most people will understand what we're talking about. But you get into some of the underdeveloped parts of the world where this yeah. is not, parents are very much... The, the formators of their children and the schools do not really combat with the parents. It's changing. Yeah. But here we, we, we have a combative atmosphere. For our listeners like here in the U.S. then, what's at stake? Like why should they care about what sex education? I guess we've been, we've been talking about it a little bit of like you're going to have all these bad like people are going to be more likely to use contraception and get pregnancies. But like I guess just like why do you think that people in the U.S. should really care about this? What do they have at stake? I think there are two things that I would approach. First of all is that, you know, we have to really peel back. Mm -hmm. And that is, we, we, I know that much of our, our country, you know, says that we that religion is important. Now, it's, numbers are continuing to change. Mm -hmm. But in reality, the, the main issue here is that there is a God-given purpose you know, mm -hmm. for the gift of human sexuality. And sex ed is just throwing that out the window. And what we have is that for, 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 for centuries, millennia, you know, we've understood as with Western civilization and with Christian civilization mm -hmm. that, that the, the expression of, of, of sexual uh, intimacy mm -hmm. was really made for husbands and wives. And so we've always had abuses. Of course, we have always had because of human nature. So mm -hmm. it's not just uh, we, we know that. But that's not the norm. The understanding has always been, as Christian civilization spread, also an understanding of human sexuality, mm -hmm. also an understanding of marriage, conjugal love. But again, the moment you start stripping this down, then we start moving into these various you know, uh, moorings being pulled. And then what happens is we see the assault on marriage itself. Mm -hmm. We see the breakdown of marriage. We see the breakdown of family life. We see, you know, the situation where we have unwed pregnancies and all the dynamics that go with that. There's study after study that shows the difficulties that uh, unwed mothers, you know, really have. And and sadly, as we've talked about before in this in this podcast, it also, you know, gets, quote unquote, men off the hook here. You know, they're not held accountable, you know, for being a co-creator here. They're not being accountable for raising their children. And sadly, the whole abortion industry just feeds that even more and takes him completely out of the equation and makes, quote unquote, it her problem. Yeah. So and then this, they say it's like her choice, too, and that they mentioned have a say in it either. Exactly. So they like further alienate them. Exactly. So that's that's one area. The other area is it just it, it doesn't just stay within that 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 circle. It, it begins to spread out into the community. It affects all of society. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, and so, and you you think about this. We see this where uh, study after study is showing what happens to the children in these situations. You know, what happens with their education. We know the consequences of their upbringing. All these things affect our society as well. Mm-hmm. And and then it feeds even further because once we get into a very promiscuous mindset, then what does that create in, in our mm-hmm. culture? And we see it today. Yeah, we where It's very visual here in the United States and many of the first world nations. So I, I think that that's the approach, you know, mm-hmm. that we would take is how do we, you know, prevent those mindsets from occurring? And the way we would approach is it's really proper understanding of the gift and beauty of human sexuality. And so that's how we should try to help other people understand this. And I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, do you think that this even has a place in schools? Like, should schools be teaching anything about <laughs> sex or... Whose role is that? Like, obviously, the parents need to teach their children, but like, does this right. even have a place in schools? Well, I think what's important, and I make some quotes in here, and I hope our audience will take time, you know, to go to the notes and just take a look at the church's documents. On I'll this. link it in the description. Awesome. So, and I, here is that what the church teaches very beautifully. It is through the beginning of children that parents, you know, welcome their child mm-hmm. into this world, and so as a, as because of this. They also are the ones responsible for the formation and education of their children, mm-hmm. not the state. Yeah. And so this is so the church's approach has always been and remains that the parent is the primary fundamental educator of their children. Yeah. And we also know that within that that structure, what we call that unit, that single cell of society, the domestic church, yeah, is where virtue is is built and learned, where mm-hmm. that virtue is being given and expressed. And where children learn those virtues of of what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, what it means to act with respect and treat others with respect, as Pope Benedict, you know, said, you know, so beautifully, it's the it's the first not only the first school, it's the first government, the first mm-hmm. hospital, it's the first of everything. You need to have those virtues in a sense to be right. able, before you're given the gift of like right. being able to use your sexuality, so that you have like a way, a means to like understand it right. and. Utilize it exactly. well. It's also the first place where we learn how to relate to each other as male and female. Yeah, it's where we learn those values of, of of respect for each other, and but also where we learn what it means to be male, what it means to be female. Well, in the family too, like hopefully you're seeing the relationship in marriage too between your parents, where it's exactly. like the first place that you see, like okay, this is what a married relationship looks right. like. At least from the externals, you're not seeing the intimate inner detail, like right. how close your parents are necessarily, and like the secret conversations, not secret, like. They're right. private conversations, but sure. you're still seeing them on an everyday basis. That exactly. like father, like looking out for the mother, and the mother looking out for the father. That's right. And, and the way they model love to each other. Yeah. The way they respect each other. The way they resolve issues together. So in a way, you do get a chance to see the fruit of that intimate love mm-hmm. outside of those intimate moments that, that here, which we refer to as a sexual expression of conjugal love. Yeah. But but it was beautiful. Pope Benedict wasn't even talking about the, the intimacy of, of conjugal love. Mm-hmm. He was just talking about how the, all these virtues, all the ways of expression are learned in the home. Mm-hmm. And so this is why when we look at the other side, what sex education does is it tries to strip the parents as the primary founda- uh, uh, fun- uh, primary educators of their children mm-hmm. and make the state the primary educator. And this is and where I the think, problem really is. I think parents sometimes also just like want to give it to the schools because they don't want to figure out how to actually talk about it with their pa- kids. Right. Which is a document in 2012 from the Pontifical Academy, you know, speaks about, and it's, I know you're going to link all this in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in the podcast, but it just talks about that parents do not, should not do that. Mm-hmm. Not only, and I would say ought not to do it. They, 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 
cannot do that. They can't relinquish their responsibility. Mm-hmm. We Even the church recognizes, like in catechetical formation, that we are not there to usurp the role of the parents, but mm-hmm. to assist. So it goes back to your question. So can the school? So some of my staff, you know, after I write articles <laughs> like this, oftentimes we'll ask questions, and they're good questions. You know, and here, you know, obviously, you know, we can't tell the state, the, the public sphere, you know, it can't teach biology, you know, so mm-hmm. in IE sex education. Now, what we can do as parents and those involved in the public sphere is to hold those that are working with our children, assisting parents in the education of their children, is not to introduce things that are false or contrary to the to the moral values and religious values of, of the parents. Mm-hmm. And that's what's the problem right now, is parents are being stripped of their parental rights. Children are being told, do not tell your parents uh, what we're discussing. You know, materials are not being given to parents. Parents are not being even, even given the opportunity to say yay or nay. Mm-hmm. So, the, so we see a real tension here where the state, even recently I quoted the Biden administration, you know, talked about the, the fact that the children, you know, uh, in a sense are products of the state. In other words, the state mm-hmm. has ownership. That's false. It's a, it's a false teaching. And I think it's very, very bad mindset that we as people need to be mindful of that. The vision of the current administration, and I make some other comments here in articles uh, in my column that are from very prominent people in very high positions of influence that are saying the same thing. Parents need to wake up. But not just as parents. Religious leaders need to be aware of this. You know, people in, who are there to protect parental rights and the rights of children. And I think what's important is to realize is what the church teaches so beautifully, uh, Colleen, is that along with the, 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 the right, quote, in, in welcoming children, parents, in a sense, husband and wife, through, mm-hmm. their, through their own conjugal love for each other in the marital act, you know, in a sense, have a right to each other. And we can have another time to talk about what that means. But for the moment, I mean, but with that right comes a duty. So yeah. if that right to express to each other in marriage the expression of conjugal love and the begetting of a child is the fruit of that love, then there's also a duty toward that child. And that's mm-hmm. where that primary and that fundamental responsibility come to bear. And so the child has rights now that mm-hmm. the parents said through their intimacy that we take on. We, we recognize and we take that responsibility. Well, the state did not beget the child. The mm-hmm. state has nothing. It does have something at stake because mm-hmm. there's a public dimension. Of course, we're all citizens of a of a nation, a country, a region, and so forth. So, yes, the, the public has a, a, so, something in this to say but not the primary role. It's a subsistent role. It's mm-hmm. it's a secondary role. It's a servant role. It seems like they shouldn't necessarily be like teaching that until they're at a level where parents have had that discussion with their children, which I think we were saying before the podcast, you were saying that that's very much dependent on where the child's at and like how parents should be able to like look at each individual child and decide when that child is like that's ready correct. for that conversation. That's but like, correct. it seems to me that it would make sense to teach like that kind of level of right. biology at later grades in high school, maybe where parent like children have already had that opportunity to be like educated by their parents of like the beautiful like context of it within sexual like within marriage sexuality within marriage, right. and then learn about like I guess the bio biological like workings of it whatever later. Right. Well, I think kind of as you said, just kind of put put them together. It's not one or the other. It's, it's both. So it's both yeah. and. Okay. And so in the sense of is if the school. And the, and the system has really that secondary understanding mm-hmm. that we're there to assist parents in their primary role. Mm-hmm. And the primary role there is to is to apply 
You know yeah. the, the, the the that the virtue, the principles, the the the, the Christian anthropology. You know mm-hmm. all the other aspects of what this beautiful gift of God is. But then to understand the mechanics of it, the biology of it, the various applic- uh, how does it work? How does it function? You know what? A, you know those kind of things. Parents can do that too, of course, yeah. very easily. And some parents do in homeschool. So it can be done. Can we make a distinction here about, it seems like we're talking about sex ed as two different things. One as like the bi- biological side of it. And one is like pushing this, like sex is casual, use contraception. Right. Like that's, we're talking kind of about two different things here right. where the state and the school shouldn't be teaching that to their children, like the contraception, casual sex, right. gender stuff, all of that. They shouldn't be teaching that at all, right. but they do have a place in teaching by the biological side of it and like the actual like academic education science of it. Right. That's right. Okay. Right. That's right. And, that's a good, and thank you for doing that. So it's a great distinction. And and I think now, so kind of coming back to your to your point, the question is when do parents, you know, how do parents? And, you know, having been in parish ministry and having worked in school systems and, you know, assisting parents, you know, and mm-hmm. things like this, really it is family by family because mm-hmm. parents are the ones that, you know, know where their children are in their state of development. Well, and that was, I think it's the document that you have linked in your article the, from the, Human from the Vatican. Yeah, yeah, I was skimming it before our, like the podcast, just so I could kind of see what the church actually says about it in that document. And they were basically saying it's an individual basis. Like parents right. know their children right. better than anyone. So but I think there's, you know, I always would encourage parents, there is a marker of time. Okay. So, and, and that is some children, especially young ladies, will start their uh, their cycle of, 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 of towards uh, in times of puberty a little earlier than some of the boys. Mm-hmm. So I always would tell parents to me is that's when you start having that opportunity of conversation because physiologically things are changing. Emotionally things are changing. There's a lot of external pressure. There is sometimes a false understanding of what's happening. And it can be even embarrassing. It can be mm-hmm. shameful. And so this is the moment to enter into that conversation. Okay, so from a practical perspective, though, we're living in a very perverted, like, sex-saturated culture. How do you do that practically if kids are going to hear about it from, I don't know, the kids right. next door, or they're going to see something about it on a magazine right. at the grocery right. store? And that's the tension. How, that's the tension, yeah. Colleen, because some parents, you know, again— if we go back now, if the parent is the primary educator mm-hmm. and the primary responsible party here, so they really should be the ones that, you know, bring these to the surface and begin to, to develop that, that relationship with their children and be able to express that. Um, even going back to what you said earlier, so if a um, husband and wife are modeling real mm-hmm. love within the family structure, children are already picking up on the on the signs of intimacy, the way dad you know, looks at my mom, the way that mom looks at dad, the way that they hold each other, hold hands, the, sometimes the way they, they'll kiss each other, you know, mm-hmm. the signs of affection. Children are already picking up on all this. Yeah. It's, so they're already seen it. But like you said, the problem today, and it's been a problem, of course, from the very beginning of time <laughs> in, in, in our woundedness as issues of access to pornography, uh, mm-hmm. the, the social media, um, TV programs, uh, magazines, books. I mean, it's, it's, it's we're, like you said, Father Marx, you, you, you kind of quoting Father Marx in a way, you <laughs> call that a sex-saturated culture. It is so true. And our young people are inundated into this at such an early, inculcated and propagandized. And right now the market aims at them. Yeah. Because you want to get them as soon as you can so you can market all these things to them. So that's the battleground. And that's why I think it makes some parents decide to choose to homeschool their children, mm-hmm. you know, take them out of the public environment. And that's obviously a, 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 a very good option for parents, especially in very difficult situations in school districts. 
And with those parents that don't have that option, don't have that ability, how do they do that? I think you just got to really pay attention early and just see what's in, and talk to your children. You know, if you sit down uh, over over meals, and of course that's another issue. Of, but but the idea is sitting down, listening, ask questions of your children. What did you learn today? What did you do today in school? You know, and children, especially in young ages, are very open. They're yeah. a tabula rasa. They are a blank slate. And they're very, and I mean blunt in a good way, they'll tell you what's on their mind. Well, and they're trying to figure things out. Sometimes they'll talk right. about it too. And so here's a chance if you're talking about this and you say, oh, what, what is that? You, your daughter, you might find out they're being told something in school. Mm-hmm. So this is a chance to intervene there, but it's also a chance to intervene in your child's direction and to be able to point out to them that, no, this is false. This is not not correct. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're if only the parent really can observe it, and we're, as a church, we're there to assist mm-hmm. parents. And that's what I love about the church's teaching. It's there to help, to guide, to give some 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 way of boundaries of assistance. But what we're fighting right now is a very uh, perverse system that's determined. It's just determined, you know, to introduce these very, very perverse mindsets to our young people and, and under the guise of sex education. And it's, it's wrong and it's harmful. And I get into that in great detail. And I would say it's, it's parents need to awaken and to this and know that this is, is our children's innocence is at stake. Mm-hmm. Our children's framework of life is at stake. And, 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 and I would say that even from a, from a country's point of view, from the common good, we're all suffering as a result of this because we're seeing the consequences of this. Now, one more just like kind of, again, practical question. How can parents like, this might be getting into like like a short answer, not like the super long, this could be its own sure, podcast on sure. itself. But how do parents help their children see the beauty of sexuality in a world where everything's perverted and it's like casual sex? And it's really easy to be like, that's gross to like all of the different perversions out there, pornography, right. everything that's going on. Right. How do you help children like recognize value and the beauty of sexuality and not fall into one extreme of like anything goes or on the other extreme of like Puritan, don't talk about it. Right. This is bad. Like, no, yeah. No, obviously from a Catholic principled approach, mm-hmm. right? So from a real Christian anthropology, we approach this very, very differently because we look at the human person. Mm-hmm. We start with the dignity of that person. And and that's always where the conversation needs to start. Mm-hmm. And it also needs to end. And, and that means that when you start with the human person and you end with the human person and that any act or decision really is reflective of that value, mm-hmm. then that begins the way how to approach. So for parents who are dealing, I forget an example, and I, I'm not going to be, because I, I know this will be used and, and maybe played in the car, which I hope it will be, uh, but I, I know that sometimes young people may be listening, so I don't want to get too, too, too graphic in this. Okay. But an understanding, so if you have a, a young lady a young man that has now reached an age where physiologically they're changing mm-hmm. and their body. And it, but, but this is a good thing that's happening, right, Colleen? Yeah. Because the body is God's design has prepared this body as it's developing and maturing mm-hmm. for a mature adult life. And mm-hmm. we know that within that adult life, that mature adult life, those that are called to the marital state, mm-hmm. that part of that is also the the, the shared intimacy of a, of a unitive and procreative dimension of marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the and so that's what we call conjugal love, and we and we call the marital embrace, and whatever the language we we, we use, and, yeah. and and so. This is very different than the language of the world, but this is a chance to talk to one's son or one's daughter to say, this is what's happening to you. This is Mm -hmm. a good thing. 
it's, it's, it's going to have its own cross, and it's going to require discipline. It's going to require a mindset, an approach, and to understand that physiologically, emotionally, and mm-hmm. spiritually, you're, you're being prepared. And as your parent, I'm here to help guide you. I'm to here to mentor you, to help you to know the narrow path and to know what is good from what is false, to know what is beautiful from what it may seem to be beautiful, but it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about really is an illusion uh, mm-hmm. that, that the world is promoting. It's promoting a falsification of the good. Mm-hmm. And it's treating the beauty of human sexuality as it would do anything else, like a commodity, yeah. something to, to use from a utilitarian point of view, to market and, mm-hmm. and so, but that's not the human person. The human person is not a divided entity, all right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so as a result, we approach human person as body, soul, all right? And so as a result, we approach the conversation by treating the person with the dignity that is rightfully due to every human person. And that's, the, that's how I always help parents is we should not be embarrassed about this kind of conversation. Now, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm being disciplined in what I'm saying because I know the different audiences that will be listening. But yeah. when I'm meeting with a couple, a mom and dad, who are maybe the first time <laughs> with their first adolescent, you yeah. know, we, I, I'm very open with them. We should yeah. never be embarrassed to talk about sexuality. We should never and be embarrassed a, to talk about the beauty of it. I think a lot of people can be because, like, it's just so degraded in society and, like, the way that the culture right. presents it that people just right. don't know how to broach it and right. they don't know how to talk about something beautiful right. and intimate with children. Right. But I also think that they don't – I mean, many people – listen, they – many people don't understand that it can be lived. See, because mm-hmm. we, we're so saturated with a mindset – that we don't think that that someone can live out that beauty that God has created, mm-hmm. but many people, do. millions every day do it. Yeah, and it's like a, a, an example when I was in one country, uh, and, you know, speaking to doctors and nurses in one of the uh, nursing schools, and we were talking about this very subject. Mm-hmm. It was Emil Hogamu and Dr. Brian Close and myself, and I was charged with giving all the principles, the bio- <laughs> bioethical principles. So this young nursing student stands up and just yells out. We can't live without sex. So I took the opportunity and to give a teaching, and there were five religious sisters. Now, the nursing school, uh, was apostolic ministry, was part of a congregation. The hospital, the nursing school was uh, uh, part of, of, of a religious community. Mm-hmm. So I, there were five sisters in the nursing program. So I ran over to them, Colleen, and I said, sisters, I'm so sorry to hear today that you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. (laughs) And of course, the whole room, and I wasn't trying to embarrass the young lady, but I was trying to use it as a moment to show how false the mindset. There's a truth, yes, through the gift of conjugal love and the openness to human life. Yes, we welcome new generations of people. Yes, we can't survive without that. The human race can't survive. Exactly. But But, individuals can. Right. But to say that I can't live without sex is is false. And then when when you have that false mentality, then it means I have to have sex to live. And then I, you have to use contraception if you're not ready for kids. Right. And then you have to get an abortion. Like, it, it leads to this feeds, idea of each one being a necessity. That's correct. And, it, and, it, and all of a sudden, you, you realize that you know that then you start treating yourself as a biological entity, mm-hmm. purely rupturing the, the unity, unity of the human person. And that's not who we are. And mm-hmm. so, and I think it's important for young people to see that your body may be quote unquote, seemingly fighting against you as you're maturing because you have all these feelings and all these temptations and and you have these sensations and and you're trying, what do I do with them? How do I respond to them? It seems almost impossible 
you know, to to overcome, especially when you have those in the classroom telling you, oh, and again, I'm not going to use terms because I know this may be used in different ways, but I'm hoping people kind of feel, know where I'm heading here. Yeah. Oh, that's, it, it, that you should be able to do that. You should start as early as you can. You need those virtues and you need, you need that foundation. That's one thing actually I always thought was interesting. I worked with um, three to six year olds for a few years and one thing that was like big was like helping them develop will and patience and like, okay, you have to wait your turn. You have to like being able to develop your will. And I thought it was so interesting that like God creates us and we don't really have like reason, like until we're like, you know, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. And so like that we have like five or six years to develop our will before we even have the responsibility of reason. Like if you had, if you were like culpable for sin, but you had no willpower, like, And then so just like the way that God created us to be able to have our will and then we get the gift of reason and then we get another, another six or seven years to learn how to use our reason and our will right. to like make good decisions before having to deal with like right. sexuality and puberty and like all of the responsibility that comes with that. Like it's just exactly. like cool how God created us in like those stages of like giving us that if you're really raising children well, you're giving them that foundation so that when they get That's that right. next gift – they're ready to receive it and be able to use it well. And also, as you as you just beautifully articulated, that goes against the entire narrative mm-hmm. of the culture of death and the whole advocates of the sexual revolution and all of it. Because shouldn't have to use my will. I can will whatever I want. So you can yeah. see how it's a different narrative, very different language. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe it's important for parents to see exactly what you just expressed beautifully, that this is what they're responsible to help their children to understand and to live and to be honest with their children, to say that it's, it is going to be, in a sense, difficult at times. And yes, you might stumble and fall along the way, but it should never normalize. It's not mm-hmm. a normal. But see, remember, the whole issue here, pornography feeds this whole this whole mentality. Mm-hmm. And because pornography is so available and so many people are introduced to it so early in life, that what we have here is this, 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 this problem that's now moving forward. So... Yeah. So, and again, it's real sad because young people today are being given access to social media. They're given mm-hmm. access to the internet very early. They're left without supervision. And especially in the school systems where perverse as, as sex education is being you know, taught, and again, at sometimes where parents don't know, then young people are hearing words, language. They're seeing images. Many textbooks will show them to... boy, boy, girl, girl, boy, girl, boy, and all these various ways. And this is all introduced in very early. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been in some countries where they're teaching the them at five years old, quote, how to use a condom, five mm-hmm. years old, and using actual um, uh, uh, things. I mean, again, I'm trying to be mindful of the audience here, so yeah. I apologize. I mean, otherwise, I'd be much more explicit. But the idea is, is that but showing this to a child that still doesn't know how to brush their teeth properly, you know, bathe properly, put on their own clothes, match yeah. their clothes. But yet we're going to introduce into something that even adults today who are struggling with trying to live it in a right manner. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is, that's why it's perverse. I mean, it just, it, it, it just undermines the dignity of the human person. So to kind of pull back, you know, when we started, I think parents, I think parents need to open their eyes especially to children that are in the public school systems. Yeah. They need to open their eyes. They need to ask the right questions, ask questions, mm-hmm. and talk to your children, spend time with your children, understand what your children are being taught. And if something is falsely being taught, then correct it. Don't be afraid to correct what's being taught and tell your child mm-hmm. that this is false, no matter what Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so has said, no matter what's in this textbook, it is yeah. false. This is not 
who you are. This is not how a person that's made in the image and likeness of God. This is not how uh, a person is to uh, to accept the gift that God has given. You got to help our children understand it. Yeah. And 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 that's going to be difficult because now the, the child will see two people, two leaders, if you will. Yeah. So the parent really has to be the one that steps forward and, and and presents themselves as the primary, and they are. Yeah. And that's what that's needs their, to step forward. Their duty and their right exactly. as parents. So. And then I would say then confront. The system, yeah. and you know, and go to the school and 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 challenge the school and said, "How dare you? You know, introduce something to my children without me having knowledge of. You mm-hmm. know, this is not about you know how the biology works or how the science works. You're introducing ideology. Yeah. You're introducing a, a a lifestyle that has nothing to do with the science, yes. nothing to do with the biology. So you know, uh, I, I I forbid you to do this. I'm not allowing you to do this to my child." You know, you're not. And so this is the kind of thing where parents, and I would say more than parents, our parents need to take it to the to their local council people. Mm-hmm. They need to take it to their school board representatives. They need to take it to their local legislators. They need to get their parish priest or ministers involved because mm-hmm. this is this involves all of us. Yeah, and and so and like you said, it has an impact on the rest of society as well. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you can tell it's a very, very important subject, and it's one that we could spend more <laughs> podcast on, and we will. But I hope that people will take advantage of reading the column. Uh, it's not the first time I've written on the subject, and it will not be the last, because I, I'm, I'm working on something, you know, for my next column uh, that actually picks up a little bit about on this, mm-hmm. because it's this, this is what we're dealing with, you know. So the, the idea of uh, if we kind of pull back and making access to uh, what we call the cocktail of four, uh, RU486, mm-hmm. you know, just a different subject. But it shows, well, if I can take the parents out of the permission, if I yeah. can make them more just readily available on, on the Internet, uh, yeah. vending machines, you know, you, you're taking uh, aspects of, the, of responsibility away from those that are actually responsible for their children. Yeah. And, and it's wrong it's it's really really it's 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 very very wrong for the state to intrude where it should not be intruding. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you for this discussion today. It's been good to talk about it and good to have it on the podcast. Thank you, Colleen. And to all of our listeners, please like, follow, subscribe. Thank you for joining us today, and keep on living the culture of life. Thank you, and God bless.